Hi, I'm Jayan Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's analysis podcast. Thanks for joining us. We are back once again with the daily COVID update, recording on Friday, the 27th of March. There are a number of developments to discuss. The most important of which is that the Reserve Bank of India has entered the fight in a big way to protect the Indian economy from the potentially devastating consequences of the COVID-19 pandemic. We'll discuss that today with uh, the Hindu's business editor, Raghubir Srinivasan. And then we're also going to discuss some directives that have come from the government, particularly with regard to surveillance now of foreigners who had entered the country before the lockdown came into place. I'll discuss that with Suhasini Haider and uh, we'll move quickly between the segments. So here's Raghuveer first. Raghuveer, thank you for joining us. So just talk us through the measures uh, announced today by the Reserve Bank of India and how will they help? Yeah, hi Jayant. So uh, the measures that RBI has unveiled today, uh, it's like rolling out the big guns from the arsenal. It has uh, really, uh, uh, you know, announced a comprehensive set of measures that will help uh, uh, you know, borrowers, it will help banks and uh, also the markets. I would like to uh, uh, segregate this under three heads. A, liquidity enhancing measures. B, measures to help borrowers. And C, um, you know, uh, measures to ensure that uh, uh, the rate cut is passed on to borrowers. Under the liquidity uh, uh, measures, the RBA has... Uh, really gone the whole hog uh, under three separate ways. Uh, A, it has um, announced another one lakh crore of long-term repo operations, uh, which effectively means that, um, you know, banks can borrow one lakh crore for the next three to five years at uh, the repo rate, which is uh, now being cut today. Now, this will um, uh, help banks to invest in uh, commercial paper, in NCDs and in other uh, papers of uh, private corporate sector. And uh, this is uh, allowed to be invested in both um, primary and the secondary market routes. So this will be one way in which liquidity will be enhanced. The other way is uh, a cut in the cash reserve ratio rates. You know, banks are supposed to keep a certain part of their deposits as uh, a cash reserve with the RBI. This has been cut to uh, 3% today from 4% earlier. Similarly, um, you know, the marginal standing facility, which is uh, a way in which banks borrow overnight from the RBI, that has also been increased from 2% to 3% of statutory liquidity ratio. Now, these three measures together will infuse about 3.74 lakh crores into the system. Uh, combined with the 2.8 lakh crores that the RBA has already uh, injected since February, the total adds up to uh, about 3.4% of GDP, which is a very impressive figure. So the RBA has ensured that liquidity will not be a constraint in the market, number one. Number two, it has uh, uh, you know given a EMI uh, or a mortgage holiday for borrowers so those of you who have borrowed, whether individuals or companies, can get a mortgage holiday for the next three months. They don't have to pay their EMIs for three months, but the interest meter will be ticking. So at the end of three months, that is June 30th, the EMIs will resume again. 
But remember, interest is still payable for these three months. And secondly, it has also uh, waived interest on working capital loans for uh, commercial enterprises. Remember, with businesses shut down, cash flow is going to be a problem. So by uh, giving uh, accommodation free of interest for three months, again, the interest is not waived. It's only deferred. Those who avail the working capital loan over the, last, over the next three months will have to pay the interest uh, at the end of the three months together. So these are the three major measures uh, in terms of liquidity and businesses. Uh, it has also, uh, the RBI has also, uh, in a very uh, you know interesting move, it has increased, uh, cut the uh, reverse repo rate higher than what it has cut in the repo rate. So the repo rate has been cut by 75 basis points. The reverse repo rate has been cut by 90 basis points. The extra 15 basis points is to ensure that there is no incentive for banks to park their surplus funds with the RBI, which is basically lazy banking. If a bank has extra funds, it has to go out and lend the money. It should not place them in the RBI for earning the reverse repo rate of interest. So by cutting the reverse repo rate of interest, the RBI has ensured that banks will have lesser incentive to park their funds there. So these are the measures, uh, in short, that RBI has unveiled. These are both conventional and non-conventional, but the biggest of them all, which will make the headlines uh, tomorrow morning, is the rate cut. The repo rate has been cut by 75 basis points straight away, and banks have already started passing on this benefit to borrowers. State Bank of India has just announced that it will pass on the entire 75 basis points to borrowers. Uh, this is, again, a very good move, though I would reckon, in my view, that the extent of uh, rate cut is a little on the higher side because those who benefit now will only be existing borrowers. The rate cut is not going to spur additional fresh investment, incremental investment by businesses. In fact, investment is the last thing on the minds of businesses right now. It's now a question of survival for them. But all in all, the RBI's measures today are very comprehensive, laudable, and uh, it is uh, uh, a reflection of the fact that the central bank has its ears to the ground. It is trying to stay ahead of the curve and that is something we need to note and appreciate. Raghubi, thank you. Always very comprehensive. If I can just ask one quick follow-up question, what can you just, is there an easy way to explain how banks can uh, transfer these, these interest cuts to consumers? What's an example of that? Well, banks have already started uh, passing on the benefits. Uh, uh, each bank will uh, do it in its own way. There are several ways of doing this. Uh, especially, for instance, if you're a home loan borrower and if your uh, EMI is automatically debited to your bank account every month, uh, the, uh, the, the, the lender, that is your, uh, your lender, has the option of either giving you a choice of opting to pay or not to pay or de facto cutting off all EMI payments for the next three months and making it incumbent on the borrower who has the ability to pay to go out and pay the money by check or by bank transfer. So this is for EMIs. And interest rate cuts will be uh, implemented uniformly across the system. And there's nothing that the borrower has to do here. If he's already uh, got a loan, the bank will cut the rates uh, immediately. Right, okay. Raghubir, thank you so much for that update. Thank you for joining us today. So Asni, hi, thanks for joining us again. So in the last segment, we discussed the measures announced by the RBI today. 
um and just i just wanted to get an idea from uh, the government side what's been what's been said there i read an interesting um report about the cabinet secretary asking for increased surveillance of people who have come from abroad right in fact it was a fairly stern note from the cabinet secretary to all the state secretary saying that there are gaps in monitoring uh, i think it's close to 1.5 million or 15 lakh passengers who have come into india from various uh, airports of course about 70% of those have come in through delhi but then they've flown to other places uh, and uh, the sec- cabinet secretary was essentially saying that these must be traced uh, these must be tracked these must be monitored apart from this the center also issued an advisory uh, asking all the states to take care of migrants in particular remember this comes a day after the center put out uh, a whole series of measures for uh, the poorest who have clearly been hit by the 21 day lockdown uh, much more than the virus at present and um, uh, many of them have ended up just leaving the cities they're in because there's uh, they can't um, they can't earn money they don't have access to cash and they don't have access to food uh, so we've been seeing you know the the pictures ajant uh, you may have seen are are just quite uh, dramatic in terms of the lacks of people who have now hit various um, uh, various highways uh, we've seen them in delhi on uh, the highways going out towards uttar pradesh in particular but other highways as well towards manasar towards haryana and rajasthan uh, where essentially migrant labor or daily wages who were in the city are uh, just walking home they there is no transport left so some of them are walking as much as 500 kilometers just to get home to get a meal uh there's one part of this is the problem the government has which the cabinet secretary wrote about today which is going to be tracking the virus if any of these people has the virus um this will then be spread to rural areas which we haven't seen a surge in yet but this could be the next stage really of uh the spread of the pandemic and uh, the second part of the worry is really having all these people go- going completely on empty stomachs Uh, walking days and days the old the young uh, everyone is just out there on 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 the highways and the government has to try and make sure that they are fed uh, we have seen some measures being taken in delhi where the government has essentially turned most of the schools into uh, food shelters and is uh, is is uh, co- constantly pushing out the message that nobody needs to leave the city that they will be taken care of and i think other states are doing the same the question is is it too late Right so we'll keep a track on that I just want to again touch on the surveillance story because that seems to be becoming developing into a big issue and you have a story in tomorrow's paper and if you don't mind I'd just like to preempt it a little bit today there are some privacy concerns now emerging about this uh can you explain yeah. right actually um jent uh, the fact is that the government has been trying to monitor all the people they can who are coming in as i said there are 15 lakh of them who came in between specifically between the dates march 9th and march 20th which was the last day of commercial flights um and uh, therefore databases have been shared they've been shared not only with the health ministry but also they've then gone on to local state governments the state governments have then moved them on to local health officials and even resident welfare associations trying to tell them 
where people are who have returned, who need to be monitored. Clearly, the government is, is doing an, uh, a very, very difficult job and is, is trying to make it as efficient as possible in terms of monitoring those who have returned. You've seen stickers being put up outside people's homes. Uh, hands are being stamped with the self-quarantine notice. Um, but what happened really with this is, is a sort of, uh, you know, dystopian nightmare, if you like, for the new cyber generation, because uh, one particular uh, ward or one particular area in Delhi saw its details, the details of all those who had returned uh, being leaked on uh, on uh, social media groups, on WhatsApp, on Facebook and others, where people's names, their addresses, their phone numbers, uh, their passport numbers, their travel history was all put down in a database that was then shared around. Now, obviously, both the people on the list, as well as privacy activists, have pointed out that not only is there a danger of violence against these people, you know, a kind of vilification of, of people who have returned from uh, abroad and could possibly be carrying the virus, uh, but also a real danger of online fraud, of identity theft. Uh, and many of them are complaining. We've spoken to the government. The government says this is uh, unauthorized. Uh, this is not something that should have been done. They're suggesting perhaps that one or two local resident welfare associations may have allowed the leak to happen, but they are now stressing that there must be full security when it comes to people's privacy. Uh, the government's also trying new innovations, and Jayant, we'll have to watch in the next few days how that goes in terms of monitoring people. There's a new um, app that the government is going to make available next week. A beta version of it is already out there for testing on uh, on uh, the Google app and other platforms. Uh, it's called the Corona Kavach, and it includes a lot of information on where the coronavirus is and um, and uh, and health instructions, but it also uh, has an uh, has one part of the application which allows people who are subscribers to uh, find out whether they are close to somebody who has the coronavirus. Uh, now, this will only obviously be possible if every patient of the coronavirus is not only subscribed to this app, has downloaded the app, but also has given access to their location history. Uh, so all kinds of privacy minefields over here as well. Uh, and um, and the government is going to have to deal with that, although ministry officials were very clear to us that nothing will be done by force. Uh, even so, it also does indicate that the government is trying all kinds of new methods in order to ensure some proper surveillance, some proper monitoring of all the possible cases is out there. All right, Suhasni, thanks. And one just one last thing, because we didn't get a chance to speak yesterday. Um, you, were, you were doing some monitoring about the G20 and how they're dealing with, the, with this pandemic that we're all going through. Uh, just give us a quick update on that. Well, most of the leaders of the G20 nations uh, came together for this video conference. It was certainly extraordinary. It was an idea first proposed by Prime Minister Modi to King Salman of Saudi Arabia. Uh, and he held this meeting where they agreed um, really to coordinate efforts, to cooperate better when it comes to the coronavirus uh, putting together a special fund, uh, committing about $5 trillion in all in different measures for the global economy. Uh, what was interesting, though, was unlike the G7 summit, there was no bickering between the members about whether this should be called a Chinese virus or not, and whether there were other differences uh, between the members there. They seemed to agree that they needed a united front. Prime Minister Modi, in particular, made the point that we can no longer see the G20, uh, which is the top 20 economies of the world, 
uh, simply as something that talks about economic advancement, that the human factor, the social factors, things like pandemics, like terrorism, like climate change must become driving forces for the agenda of this group. As always, Swasni, I think we packed in a lot into that brief conversation. Thank you once again for joining me. Uh, I think we'll speak again tomorrow. Great. Take, take care. You too.